thing that can, that can really make it hard to do deep work and to be able to focus and concentrate that I think moms in particular um, often suffer from is when you feel like your family needs you and you're in charge of all this stuff, it can be really easy to feel guilty when you're doing anything other than that. And so, I mean, part of it is like the ongoing nature of the mental load. So there's always problems to be solved. Um, and when we feel like, oh, we haven't solved all of our family's problems yet, then we can't move on to something else. Hi, everyone. Welcome. Jen, thank you for being here today. All right, let's start with our peaches and pits. Angie, you want to go first? Yeah. So my pit is that I just haven't really felt really great in my skin lately. Um, I think it's just like my age and I don't know. I'm just in like this little funk, mm -hmm. but actively working to get out of it. But it's just... It's just one of those things where you're just like, meh, everything about me is just meh. I can so, identify. I feel like I went through that recently. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's just 35. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I used some tanning lotion. That made me feel better. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll have to try it. I'm always looking for tanning. Um, and then my peach is my husband and I um, are big Husker football fans, and we were able to go to the game this weekend, which was really fun, just the two of us. Um, and we had some friends and family watching the kids, so that was fun just to spend time with him and see the Huskers win, because that also doesn't happen super often. <laughs> Sadly, yes. Accurate. <laughs> Jen, what about you? What about you? I would say my pit for this week is definitely that we have all gotten sick this week. We oh, no. made it a couple weeks into school, and then we've all gotten a pretty bad cold. So that's uh, my pit for the week. My peach is that we are surviving and slowly getting better. So there's yes. a light at the end of the tunnel. That's the worst. Back to school, man. I can piggyback off of that. My pit is that my kids got lice this weekend. So oh. that was a super fun back to school treat. Yeah. <laughs> the gift the that gift keeps that, on giving. It is, I was just going to say, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Um, so after four days of laundry, I think today will be my last day. <laughs> Um, but my peach is that we did get to take a nice little break from lice extermination and we went to the Applejack Festival this weekend and it was just beautiful, like sunny five, sunny five, <laughs> 75 and sunny. It was just like a perfect day to be walking around like the orchard and hiking and, Grandma and Grandpa got to come with us, and we did, like, the treetop rope course, um, which is fun and hilarious to see my parents navigate. So um, <laughs> mostly because my dad is, like, a little kid on all of the rope bridges, and, like, he jumps and, like, makes them bounce everywhere. Meanwhile, my mom is just, like, clinging for dear life and, like, laughing so hard. So, um 
you know, despite having to spend our entire weekend sanitizing, we at least got to have a nice little break and, you know, go do something fun. I'll yeah. take I'll take that. Um, so Spitfire shenanigans. Um, let's see. I think I've got this one today. Mm-hmm. So I it was this past winter. I had Nora and Caroline over playing, and they were playing house together. And Nora was the mom, and Caroline was the teenage daughter who also was a teen mom, (laughs) 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 which obviously I don't think they like, I don't think they get. It was just that like, you know, Caroline also, she was in high school, but she also had a baby and their conversation, I'm like eavesdropping on their conversation in the living room as I'm making lunch. And Caroline's like, okay, Nora, I am going to ask you if you can watch my baby so I can go to my boyfriend's house. And Nora goes, okay, and I'm going to tell you no because I'm your mom and I don't want you kissing that boy. And Caroline goes, goes, okay, I'm going to get mad at you and go to my room and still leave my baby and sneak out through the window to see him. (laughs) And in my head, I was just like, dear God, help us for the day that they are actually teenagers. So (laughs) there, I mean, there's a lot you can unpack there, (laughs) but the moral of the story was. Caroline's going to sneak out um, and leave her baby unattended to kiss boys. boys. So good luck with that. Yeah. I mean, so proud. (laughs) (laughs) She's crazy. Jen, do you have a story about the boys that you want to share? I would say one thing that is just kind of delightful about their age is especially Max. So he's seven and in first grade. And he's still at the stage where he just thinks that there are all kinds of options available in life. And so for instance, when he got his beginning of the school thing where they fill out, you know, things like what their favorite color is and stuff like that for what do you want to be when you grow up? He said he wants to be a Jedi. So that is his uh, career ambition. And the fact that he (laughs) thinks that that is, you know, an option that's open to him, I think is pretty delightful. I love that. Yeah. (sighs) It's, uh, it reminds me of like the little star student posters that you always see, like, in the mm-hmm. preschool and pre-K rooms where it's like, I want to be a mermaid or <laughs> Hudson's was a dinosaur catcher. He wanted a to be a dinosaur catcher, okay. which Warren's is a motorcycle rider. At least that is a legitimate. Well, can you? Make <laughs> I guess we can't make money. <laughs> it is an actual thing you can do though. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's true. Um, I guess if you're the leader of a motorcycle gang, you probably you probably make money. I don't, I don't know how legal it is, but 
Yeah, I'd be two for four on gang leaders at that point then. Between <laughs> so I'm not sure I'm going to, to cultivate that dream. I'm going to assume the other one's Caroline. <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> All right. Well, I will kick off partner praise. Um we had doubleheader football games and the other night and on a school night, which is not normally how it happens. They were makeup games. Um, and both the girls came early with me for practice, um, which meant by the time the game started, they were over it. And um, therefore, by the time Eric arrived shortly after the first game started, I was over it. <laughs> Uh, because, because they were both just like, they were just whining and Nora wouldn't share and that made Willa upset. And then like, they both just needed a lot of attention. Um, and he like distracted both of them enough, like played little games with them while we were sitting there watching, um, which put them in a better mood and gave me a second to regroup because I was about ready to lose my mind on them. So, um, well, that's good. Yep. Delightful. Delightful. Loved it. Yeah. Um, my partner praise is specific to this weekend, but also just like super generalized. I um, have a hard time sleeping just in general. I don't sleep well and I really need sleep to not set off um, crabbiness and or my autoimmune stuff. And so this weekend we had two late nights in a row, Friday and Saturday night. And so Jesse just very specifically did not allow the children upstairs basically um, and let me sleep. But overall, he knows how important sleep is to my chronic health. And so he always, I'm always allowed to sleep in on the weekends. And so that's, I like that. It's nice that he takes that one for the team. <laughs> yeah, that's really nice. I like it. Jen, what about you? I would say, well, my husband was the sickest out of all of us this week. Um, but even though he was the sickest, he still would make sure that we were all feeling okay and doing okay and helping out as much as he could, even though he had a legitimate excuse to not, he still, you know, valued the family. So just, I think seeing that is, I think always. Yeah. A good sign of commitment. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. I would agree. It's a lot of work to help people when you're sick. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, today we are joined by Jen, who, full disclosure, is my husband's cousin, which is how I know her. But Jen is an adjunct professor of healthcare ethics at Concordia University, Irvine, a freelance writer and a mom of two boys. She has written about work, life, mental health, and parenting for The Washington Post, CNBC, Success Magazine, Psychology Today, and other outlets. So today, we're going to be covering this topic of what holds women back, which 
as I was kind of prepping this episode, almost felt like too big of a topic for one episode. It felt like you could have a whole podcast on what holds women back. But Jen is super knowledgeable through all of her work and study and writing that she's done. So she's going to help us unpack it. And I think we've got a really great conversation ready to go. So I want to kick things off with this idea as we were prepping the episode. Um, you brought up this idea, Jen, of deep work and this idea of greedy work, which they kind of compound and make things harder for moms. And it it kind of like creates this umbrella for what holds us back. So can you kind of break down like what is deep work and what is this idea of greedy work and how do they kind of come together to affect the mental load? Yeah, so deep work is just the, the ability to deeply focus or concentrate um, on difficult tasks for a prolonged period of time um, without getting distracted. So deep work can obviously be um, very difficult to do if you are carrying a lot of the mental load. Um, and that gets kind of exacerbated by this other issue of greedy work, um, which, which is one of the things that I think leads to the problem of, of the inequality um, that we often see with the mental load. Um, so I think when it comes to the mental load, it can be easy to think of it as just kind of, you know, a mom problem or a couple problem. Um, I think as moms, it's easy to feel like we're struggling with the mental load because, you know, of our own mental failings. And if we could just get more organized or find the right meal planning system or the right meditation app or self-care, um, you know, we can just find something, then we'd be able to figure out how to deal with all the mental load. We'd be able to, you know, get our, get our lives organized, get things together. Um, but it's never the case that we're just like one organizational shift away from being able to handle all, all of the mental load. Um, it's not something we can organize our way out of or self-care our way out of. Um, but it's also not just a couple's problem either. So it's not just that we, that we can get dads to pitch in more. Um, or, you know, that the problem is that they don't care about equality or, um, you know, don't want to pitch in enough. Part of the problem is the way that work is structured, especially yeah. in the U.S. Um, mm -hmm. and that's what, uh, Claudia Golden, she's an economist at Harvard. Um, she's the one who refers to this as. Uh, the greedy work problem. Um, so the problem is when we have work that's really demanding in terms of the number of hours required uh, or 
you know, that you would have to be constantly available um, to your boss or to clients, um, which is, you know, has become even more so now that you can, uh, now that we're like always reachable, um, that becomes a bigger problem. Or if you have to travel a lot, um, it's hard to have both parents if you're, if you're partnered, um, it's hard to have both parents be doing um, that kind of, um, you know, time intensive, inflexible, uh, those kinds of jobs. Um, because somebody needs to be able to, you know, stay home when the kids are sick and take them to their dentist appointments and all of their practices and help them with their homework and, you know, monitor their screen time and all, like all of the things that go into modern parenting. It's hard to do that if both parents um, have jobs that make that stuff uh, harder to balance. Um, yeah. So it's hard for both parents to balance these kinds of demanding and flexible jobs and family life. So you often get one parent who um, kind of downshifts their career, uh, takes a career that's more flexible. Um, might be, you know, one that requires fewer hours or um, uh, is less stressful or has less travel. Um, or, you know, just more flexible, you know, something that lets them leave in the afternoon to pick up their kids when they need to. Um, and then that parent becomes the, you know, the on-call or the, the default parent. Um, yeah. And historically, it uh, has been more likely to be, uh, to be moms. Moms have been the ones to kind of downshift their careers um, to become the on-call parent. Um, and I mean, it's possible for both parents to choose to to downshift their careers, um, but the problem um, that Claudia Golan raises here is that this can actually, uh, you know, make them leave money on the table because it's with greedy jobs. It's not just that you make more money because you work more hours. You, these jobs actually pay disproportionately more per hour. So you, you make more per hour working a greedy job. Um, and so you, the couple could maximize their, their household income by having one person work this kind of job and then one person you know, working part-time or a more flexible job or not working. Um, then they could, if they both had more flexible, um, less demanding jobs. Um, so this can be hard if, you know, college is expensive and childcare is expensive mm -hmm. and houses in good school districts are expensive. Uh, so it can be really hard for couples to have to, to feel like they have to make this choice. Um, yeah. You know, between either trying to make it with too demanding jobs, um, which can often lead to burnout if you're trying to do both or both downshift your careers um, and then try to make everything work financially or have one person take a greedy job and one person kind of downshifting 
their career. Yeah. Well, and I think it, I think it like adds either way. I think it adds kind of a domino effect, you know, like if you both take that greedy job, like you just said, then financially you both, you're both going to, you're going to have to end up paying for some of those other things that you just don't have the capacity to take on. Like you're going to need to find childcare that has maybe extended hours or something like that, which generally is more um, expensive and therefore is only accessible to people who, you know, are in positions where they can climb the ladder and do those kinds of things. And then on the other side, you know, or, you know, uh, you're going to have to pay for like, um, you know, maybe somebody to transport, yeah, a housekeeper or, I don't know if there's anybody out there with a private chef. That's my, that's my own personal aspirations is somebody yeah, who plans my same. meals and cooks healthy things for me and my family that taste delicious every single day. And we'll then um, do the dishes. Yes. 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 Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, you're going to, you have to kind of pay for those additional services that you just don't have the capacity for. Or on the flip side, if you are downshifting, like economically, you're just not participating at the same level that you could be. Like you, that leaves less money in your budget to be able to say like, hey, you want to try dance and volleyball? That's great. We can afford to do both of those things and like afford our children the, like the opportunities to explore things that interest them. Um, and so I feel like it just like, it's sort of a lose-lose situation. You end up in a position where you're either paying for it. And even at a certain point, I think if you've both got greedy jobs, there's still like a, a limit on how much you can pay for, like, unless you're really rolling in it, you're not necessarily able to be like, let me hire out a housekeeper and a nanny to show for my kids around and, you know, get meals prepped for me or whatever, like do those really ungodly expensive, like meal kit things every single week, you know? So it's, there's still like a cap, I feel like on how much you can outsource financially. And even how much you want to outsource. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if, if you're working a job that doesn't let you take time off to like go see, you know, your kids, dance recital and their soccer game and stuff then like that's another sacrifice that um that you have to make if you take um take these kinds of jobs Uh, it definitely feels like you're trying to figure out the time and money balance and where where am i okay with falling on that scale yeah exactly it's I mean it's it puts parents in a difficult situation of having to make that choice um and like both for the individuals but then also for the couple so even if you decide one person takes the greedy job one person doesn't well who gets the greedy job who gets the you know to be the on-call parent um both of those choices might not be optimal right so dads tend to be the ones who 
are more likely to take the greedy jobs, but that doesn't mean that they're necessarily happy with having to make that choice either, because you have a lot of dads who are saying like, I wish I had more time to be able to spend with my family. And, you know, I don't like having to miss out on these things. Um, but then, you know, for moms who downshift their careers, it can have a big impact because, you know, it's not just that you are making less money now, it puts you on a different career trajectory, right? So the, the people who are able to put in more time and more travel and, you know, be available all kinds of hours, those are the ones who are more likely to get the big clients and get the promotions and get the career awards and, um, you know, all the kinds of things that can move you forward in your career. So even if you downshift temporarily trying to get back in can be uh can be difficult mm -hmm. I feel like that that trade-off is also why you're seeing so many and I've seen a lot of articles about this recently on LinkedIn where it's women who have made it into c-suite and high-level positions are now saying like this wasn't worth the trade-off. Like I, I am going to shift out of this work and into something, you know, into more like freelance cons um, consulting type positions because I want that flexibility back. I want to be able to be present with my family versus feeling like I've got to be here for work and I have to be able to answer phone calls at any time of the day or anything, you know be, you know, be at somebody else's beck and call versus my family who, you know, obviously like I chose, I chose to have a family and they're probably more important to me than my, my job is. It goes back to the work, like you don't have a family and have a family, like you don't work. Yeah. Like yeah. you can't, there's, it's impossible. Yeah. Well, it's the multitasking, like the multitasking, like this is exactly, you know, what's killing moms is trying to do and juggle so many things at once and mm -hmm. when you have like all this stuff that you're trying to do it can make it very hard to do uh to do deep work or anything that requires concentration or you know the ability to like work for a prolonged period of time without getting distracted um, that can be really hard if you're trying to juggle other things or think about other things. Um, and so, and I, I think that's where these, these two things get connected and why we get this cycle is when we have greedy work and when work is kind of set up in this way, um, such that, you know, one person, um, often becomes the kind of on-call or default parent. Um, and that gets shifted to one person. Um, then it's not, it's not just that, like that then takes time or, you know, physical availability for them to do all the extra parenting and household tasks, but 
it adds to the mental load um, having to do all that extra stuff. And so, um, you know, that makes it harder to focus and harder to do deep work when you're trying to, uh, to do all the multitasking. Um, and, you know, when, it, when we have to think about all the things and, um, you know, we are trying to remember all the things or we're worrying about all the things because we're in charge of all the things. Um, you know, we feel guilty about all of the things. All of that goes through our minds when we're trying to, you know, sit down and and get uh, focused work done. So it's not just that we're, um, you know, getting distracted by external things, but it's like all the internal distractions that can make it mm -hmm. hard to focus with the mental load. And I think that's yeah, the mental load. Is, it really just like bleeds like in your brain to every aspect of your life, regardless if it's relevant or not to the task at hand. Yeah, exactly. that, I felt like that this morning logging in. So like Friday, I discovered the lice, you know, five minutes before we have to walk out the door. And I'm like, and Eric had, had already left, he had made plans to go hunting. pause there for my dog to scratch himself very loudly. Um, you know, so he, Eric was already up and out of the house and, you know, far enough away that it was like, what am I going to do? Call him, call him back. And I mean, honestly, like it is what it is. You know, I was like, there's no point. I'll just handle this right now. But, you know, I was like, at first, when it was just one kid, I was, I, you know, had like texted my boss and I was like, let me just, you know, get the other two off to school. Let me get her like treated and situated. And then I should be able to like log on and work. And then I discovered it on the other two. And so now it's like, okay, well, I'm, you know, <laughs> I had some choice words to say about it. And I was like, great. Now we're all home. And I was like, I got to remember to text Angie and let her know that Caroline probably shouldn't spend the night tomorrow night. And I need to go, you know, and like immediately it was like, what are all the things that like, okay, I've got to do a target run now to pick up this, the shampoo, but what else do I need? I probably need to pick up new pillows over there and all this, you know, like stuff. And it continued through the entire weekend. And then this morning, Monday morning, I go, you know, I go to sit down and I am like, I am, I, I was like, I can't even focus. I am too, I just feel so disorganized because my entire weekend was spent doing not any of the normal stuff I would do to like get me ready for the week. And so by the time I sat down at my computer this morning, I was like, I don't know where I'm at work-wise. Like I need, you know, I was like, uh, I know I have like one thing I need to get my boss's approval on, but I'm not ready. I'm not prepared for our like one-on-one -on -one meeting, which I hate, you know, going in and being like, I have no idea what I'm, I need to talk to you about today. And then I was like, in my head, I'm like, okay, I also want to make sure that I like circle back and I'm prepped for this interview over our lunch hour, but also like, our house is just pure chaos still, you know, like we had the benefit of getting a lot of laundry and stuff done, but I'm like, everything else is just, you know, cause everybody was home from school then on Friday. And so you just, 
I couldn't even focus. I was like that I I was like I feel like I just need to take this week off simply just to reorganize my mind both personally and professionally to just put a list together and be like okay. Pause, restart. I had all of this great energy last week and it felt very focused and I like I knew what I wanted to get done coming into this week for work, but now that's all like gone and I can't seem to find that train of thought. And then also just for this week to be like, where are we at? You know, like we've got, we've got an extra baseball clinic tonight that we weren't planning on having. And can I send Eric to that while I stay home and I get all of this stuff done? And like, it just, yeah, there's, so that, that's like my own internal monologue. And then Thankfully, the kids are back today. Everybody was like deliced and free to go back to school. But I was like, the ability to tonight to even I'll have both the girls and it'll be a constant like mom, 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 mom. And be like, what? I just, <laughs> you know, I'll be like, here, here's the TV. This is your mother for the night. Like, I can't have you talk to me because I need. If I don't get this stuff done for my own sanity, tomorrow will be an equally unproductive day. <laughs> yeah, I have found as I've gotten older that I really have to be like very intentional about making sure I have carved out time for that deep work that we talked about earlier as it relates to my own organization for, for professional and personal life. I feel like I have to be, cause like it gets to a point where like you're just running on slippery oil and not doing anything and almost just making more work for yourself in the long run while you're trying to spin those wheels. Pausing for auto to get his shit together. Thanks Jess. <laughs> But yeah, so so unless you're taking that very intentional time to reset and restart, I feel like you just it's just chaos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so much of the chaos is internal. And so it's like that's the invisible nature of it, I think makes it even harder. So mm-hmm. you know, worrying about this everything you have to do and trying to remember everything you have to do um, is not visible to anybody else, but it's just going on in your head. Um, And so, so Cal Newport, who is the one who's kind of famous for, uh, for this notion of deep work. um, He had a really interesting exchange with uh, Yael Schoenbrunn, um, who's the author of work parent thrive on um on this issue of you know why it can be so hard to to do deep work when you're a parent especially when you're a mom um and and he was having a hard time kind of figuring out what the what the problem was um you know what like what the pain point was um because if deep work is supposed to just be um, you know, when you have your available block of time, then you get rid of your distractions and you, you know, turn your phone on silent, you know, check your email and all that stuff. And um, you might have 
maybe moms have less time available, but he's like, during the time, then, um, you know, you should still be able to do the deep work. And so he was trying to figure out, you know, what, what's the problem? Is it that kids are interrupting? Is it that, you know, you need to go somewhere and get a babysitter or something? And, um, and Yael brought up a, a really good point about how it's not just the external distractions that can get in the way of deep work, but it's the internal mm-hmm. distractions. And when you bring those with you, when you bring, you know, the feeling guilty about being at work instead of at home with, with your kids or, um, you know, this kind of perpetual, um, this perpetual awareness that you have to have if you're the one who's in charge of monitoring all the things, um, then it's hard to, it's hard to sort of shut that off. Um, And especially like those parts of the the mental load that are, um, you know, the less physical parts of the, you know, the awareness and um, the planning and figuring out, uh, you know, the paying attention to what's going on and figuring out what needs to be done. Um, That's something that's like ongoing. And so since it's ongoing, it's hard to shut it off, um, you know, and to disconnect. So you feel like, you know, you, it's like hypervigilance. It's like constant hypervigilance. Um, yeah. Yeah. When you have all that stuff. And to what I have found is that it takes an extraordinary amount of prep work to get to the point where I'm like, okay, I've got this time, you know? So if I say, you know, tonight, for example, you know, like Angie and I, for example, typically record this podcast in in the evenings. It takes a ton of work to get everybody prepped into the point where I can go, all right, I'm going downstairs to record now, you know? <laughs> and, you know, or if I, even if I wasn't, um, you know, going to do something like obviously to record and things like that, like our house has to be quiet. We can't, you know, have a ton of chaos happening. Um, but even if I was like, okay, I want to be able to, um, work on putting like the furniture together, like our sunroom is done and we want to start kind of putting that together. So I've got to think through like all the things that I want to do or that have to get done so that I can go and be like, all right, I'm going to be in here relatively uninterrupted for the next couple of hours kind of work on it. But I think there's also the flip side. I feel like the examples that I've been using are all very um, tangible stuff. But also there's times that I just want to do like deep work on my own creative passions. And that is not necessarily – not everybody understands like 
oh, mom wants to sit down and paint. They're like, oh, that's fun. Can I paint with you? You know, or like if I if I were to say, okay, well, I want to sit down and I want to be able to, you know, do some research or work on some of our content or something like this. It's not, you know, that is not something that benefits like our whole household. It is really, truly just something that's mine. And, you know, there's an extraordinary amount of work that goes into getting everybody to the point where it's like, okay, so you all are situated now, right? I could go sit down and take 30 minutes to research this podcast episode if I wanted to. And no one, you know, no one's going to come to me and be like, but what about, you know, like I'm hungry for the 14th time since I served a dinner that everyone refused, you know, like I... That's for sure where I struggle with most is that like when it doesn't benefit the family as a whole or more than just me, like I know that I have a really hard time making space and doing the deep work for that in particular. So I think that's a really great segue into this like next question, which is obviously as a society, we're not really set up for for men or women, right, to kind of support modern families. So what is it, like, on a societal level, what can we be doing to kind of help change this? But then I think more importantly, what can we do? Like, the societal shift is a long-term thing. But there has to also be something I feel like that we can do in the meantime that's like, oh, this gives me some immediate sense of relief from it. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think at the at the societal level, um, I mean, we definitely have to make work life more tenable for parents um, without just making, you know, mommy track jobs. Um, because we don't want it to, because I mean, that just kind of exacerbates the whole um, gender equality and couple equality problem. Um, you know, even if you have um, some people who are then more able to be the on-call parents, um, if it's not both parents being able to share at least somewhat equally, in both work and parenting or you know parenting and whatever else they want to be doing um then we still end up kind of where we're at with the you know one person ends up with a lot of the mental load um but um i think one one way to start addressing the problem is to just make work less greedy uh, you know, have more jobs that are more flexible and that pay decently. So, you know, get rid of this, either you can have a well-paying job or you can have a flexible job, but you can't have both. Um, well, why can't we make jobs that are more flexible that still pay decently? Um, I mean, it actually has happened in some fields. Um, so Claudia Golden talks about, um, you know, in pharmacy, um, in veterinary medicine, um, it used to be the case that you had 
greedy jobs and you had uh, you know pharmacists who owned um, you know owned their own pharmacy and then you had um, you know one person who was in charge but then had to be on call and work longer hours um, whereas now it's the the workers are much more substitutable which is in a way a good thing because then it's a lot easier to you know when one person has to be gone for something it's a lot easier for somebody else to come and step in right so now when you see when you have to fill hours for a pharmacy it's a lot easier to to rearrange and to to kind of share the workload and then like now that we have emergency animal hospitals right then you don't have all the veterinarians having to be on call all the time if you have an emergency off hours with your pet then you just take them to to the animal hospital rather than having to call your vet and wake them up when pharmacies and and veterinary medicine when it started moving away from this kind of dichotomy of having the greedy jobs where the, the you know the owners worked a lot of hours and had to be on call a lot and then they had the assistants who um you know didn't have to work as much but then didn't get paid nearly as well when they kind of went away from having those two very they're very distinct positions and moved more towards you know having less greedy jobs where people had uh you know now pharmacists have much more regular hours that the the gender pay gap really started to shrink in those fields especially compared to other fields that didn't get away from from the greedy jobs and so it, it does seem to be you know some potential hope for uh for reducing the gender wage gap and also for increasing um you know the the flexibility it seems like something that is that you could like do kind of universally across the board. Like as you're as you're kind of citing these examples, I think about like um, restaurant like restaurants and retail and things like that. You know, like you can kind of be in those manager positions, which are generally like more de- demanding. They're not flexible. You are on call all the time and you have to be able to like jump in at a moment's notice and like take a shift and cover and things like that. Or you can be, you know, you can be in the more flexible position where you're like, yeah, I can call in sick today. Somebody else is going to figure it out, i.e. my manager. (laughs) And, and, you know, it seems like this idea of kind of equalizing those things and by adding in more flexibility, it benefits all of those all of the people across the board. And then not only that, but the people then who maybe previously were like, I could not, even if I wanted to be in that managerial position, it just isn't something that I can do. You know, maybe I'm a single mom and I can't have, like, I don't have somebody who, if I've got a shift, I can't say to my partner, hey, I need you to take my kid right now. Like, you need to stay home today because I have a shift and I absolutely can't miss it. It equalizes that. And it's like, well, if I know that there's flexibility and there's maybe a larger pool of people who can, of other managers who could maybe step in, you know, or 
you know, we can kind of cover or trade. It seems like there's the opportunity to get really flexible instead of thinking of just sort of this like tit for tat kind of um, system where it's like, well, if you're, if I'm going to cover your shift at the last minute, then I'm going to need you to cover my shift coming up. It seems like there's opportunity to be creative in how you kind of cover those things. And by widening the pool, it, it just creates more opportunity across the board when everything is more flexible. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it doesn't even have to come at a cost to businesses, right? When you give workers more flexibility and more autonomy, that generally makes them happier and oftentimes more productive workers. And I mean, that's something that we've kind of seen from over the last few years, especially is that, you know, some remote work, you know, help people be more productive. And it's, it's not just parents who benefit from this, right? Because they're, you know, it's not just parents who have responsibilities in life and have things that they want to do in life. It's definitely something that can, having more flexibility, being able to take time off when you're sick or, you know, mm-hmm. when a loved one, you know, gets sick or, you know, that kind of thing. Or even just to take time off to, to do something that you really want to do. Yeah, enjoy life. And then, yeah, and then, and then be able to, uh, you know, do your work later. Seems to benefit a lot of people without huge dings to productivity. If not, you know, certain, adding certain flexibility and autonomy seems to actually make people more productive, right? So trying to figure out exactly what the right structure is in terms of, you know, how much flexibility, you know, is necessary for parents to be able to work and for how much flexibility is, you know, works for companies and figuring out the logistics is something that'll take time, but there's, there are definitely changes that can be made in terms of making jobs more flexible for everybody and not having to make everybody pay for that flexibility takes away this having to make the choice between jobs that help you support your family and jobs that help you be there for your family, right? So Mm -hmm. it would allow for, you know, a lot more couples to have more, more equality when it comes to work and parenting. Yeah, 100%. How... I was just thinking as you were saying this and kind of reflecting back on, I think when we started this podcast, I feel like we sort of really had a focus on like women and it was like, how do we lighten the mental load for women? And I think, I think by and large that still is it, but what I find us talking about more often than not is just how structures don't, don't really benefit either parent Um, but we just, we don't talk about as much how it impacts men in relationships or in modern families. I think primarily because we always, we kind of look at it as like, well, you've got kind of the upper hand right now, you know, like you are, um, you're in the higher paying jobs. You are in all, you know, you've got kind of the autonomy or you can move a little bit agnostically to the family unit than like 
um, a mother would. And I think that's kind of the bigger, that is sort of the issue. But I just, as you were talking, it really just kind of like sunk in where I was like, man, this is something that there is just as much at stake for men and and equally as much changes that have to happen for for men as there are for women in this. And so as you as we think about these things and and I agree, I feel like there's a lot of hope for what we can do on a societal level. I think it's coming along very slowly. I think there are some things I I am seeing a lot of pushback to like the return to office and things that are like that kind of movement where everybody is like, all right, we had we had our like remote flexibility work from home moment. Like <laughs> that was cute, but now we're gonna need you to come back. And I I see a lot of people, both both women and men, who are kind of fighting back and saying, like, that's not actually the most like, no, I don't want to go back to that. Actually, this benefits my life balance a lot better than like the system that we used to have in place. But I also feel like sometimes it is painstakingly slow. And I am often kind of left wondering, like, if I don't have the option to if I don't work for a company that is on board and is actively, you know, working towards this, like, what can I, what can I do today? How do I find time to do deep work if I am not in a position where that's afforded to me, right? It's not given to me right now. Where do I go and like, how do I make space and kind of whether I want to fulfill my own purpose or whether I just truly need like an hour to get whatever work done without being interrupted. Cause it's not like something I can just like self-care my way out of. This isn't like, <laughs> this isn't something that like a cup of coffee and a face mask is going to fix for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think a, a big part of it is figuring out how to deal with all of the internal distractions I think is is going to be a huge part of it. I think first we have to acknowledge the guilt that we feel because that can be a huge thing that that can really make it hard to do deep work and to be able to focus and concentrate that I think moms in particular um, often suffer from is when you feel like your family needs you and you're in charge of all this stuff, it can be really easy to feel guilty when you're doing anything other than that. And so, I mean, part of it is like the ongoing nature of the mental load. So there's always problems to be solved. Um, and when we feel like, oh, we haven't solved all of our family's problems yet then we can't move on to something else. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the first the first thing is to like figure out how to get unstuck from that. I think, cause that can be a, a an easy place to get stuck um, and to have a hard time even like moving forward and getting into to deep work. Um, so I think like just being able to recognize, well, we are never going to solve all of our family's problems. So like, you know, it's always gonna be 
a game of whack-a-mole where you get one thing handled and then something else comes up. Um, and it's kind of just part of being a human living in the world with other humans. Um, so if we waited to like solve all of our family's problems before we allowed ourselves to do anything else, then you'd never really do anything else. Um, so allowing ourselves to actually take that time um, to do deep work, whether it's you know for our careers or for ourselves, and I think that can be an even harder thing to uh, to do to let mm -hmm. yourself do deep work, creative work, um, you know, take time to um, you know paint or uh, you know, play the piano and, um, you know, things like that can be almost even harder to get ourselves to be okay with doing when it's not something that is, you know, immediately beneficial to the family or necessary for work. Um, so I think kind of acknowledging, uh, the guilt that can come with that and you know recognizing that we're never going to um you know feel like we have everything else all in order and so now we are allowed to do our um you know to do something that is fulfilling um you know or um you know restorative um for ourselves so I think that's kind of an important first step. Um, and then we have to figure out how to deal with all the, you know, all the mental distraction. Um, so doing a brain dump, I think is, is a really important step. Just getting your thoughts and your worries out of your head, um, allowing yourself to address them later. Right. So when, when we can actually write them down or put them in a list um, or put them on a calendar that helps our brain to recognize that we intend to do these things later, which helps us to be able to focus on other things. Um, so doing a brain dump is another kind of key part to being able to, uh, to focus and, and do deep work. Um, and protecting our time is the other sort of big thing, um, right? So it can be hard to like put a box around, you know, all of our family stuff or like our our mm -hmm. worries and our concerns about our kids and try to like contain it all in a box. Um, but we can, sometimes like think of of having you know whatever time for deep work we have and like putting a small box around that so putting a box around this whatever my small amount of time is um you know to do this work or this you know creative activity um you know so for the next 30 minutes then um uh, you know, I am going to protect this time to, um, you know, to do whatever. Mm -hmm. 
I think is important, like both protecting it from external distractions, but also protecting it from internal distractions, um, which can be I like the idea. I like that idea of kind of like flip-flopping it instead of like trying to put the box around like all of your family stuff is just putting it around like this hour that I have before in between work and going to like pick up the kids is like my time to do whatever. And I think like I've, I have actually been kind of experimenting with this and saying like, okay, I get done with work at this time and I go and I get the kids at this time. And so I, on the days that like you know, a couple of those days, it's like a gym day. But then on the days that I'm not going to the gym, I used to be like, okay, well, I'm still, I'm just going to go get the kids early then. And then I've kind of flipped it a little bit and I've been like, okay, well, I've got this hour that I was, you know, on another day I go to the gym, but today I'm going to use it and I'm going to work on what, and I've, whatever it is. And I've kind of given myself that permission to be like, this is going to be the hour that like I spend here. So if I'm going to spend it, then like, let's do something with it. Like I don't, you know, I don't want to get done and be like, oh, I spent an hour where I thought I was going to work on podcast stuff. But in all actuality, I felt guilty that I wasn't going to the gym or picking up the kids or cleaning my house. So then I just scrolled through Facebook instead. (laughs) Yeah. Have you been (laughs) (laughs) It's true. I'll just short circuit and be like, I can't do anything. So I guess I'll just sit here and scroll. Yeah. It's mental load paralysis. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's a thing. Yeah. I think that's, I, 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 I think those are really great steps to be able to take. I think it's, it is kind of easier said than done sometimes to be like, oh, okay, I'm going to like let go of uh, feeling guilty about this or like trying to put time constraints around, you know, problem solving. And one of the things that I've tried to do when I do kind of give myself the freedom to do something instead of feeling guilty about it is trying to look at it as like, how much happier am I going to be after, you know, if I spend an hour doing something that is really just truly enjoyable to me, it, to me personally, it is my own thing. Then I find that like, I am just generally a better and happier person when I show, you know, I show up better for my kids when I'm like, Ooh, I feel really lit up and excited about this thing versus yeah, I spent that free hour cleaning and that was that's great, but nobody here appreciates that except me. Yeah, exactly. And I think like that's one of the more I don't know, unfortunate things about um having a an imbalance in the mental load and having the mental load be such a drain on deep work and being able to concentrate and focus is that it's not just that it makes it harder to, you know, get work done and advance in your career and that sort of thing. It makes it harder to do anything that is meaningful, that requires focus concentration. And so like we not only lose out on 
um, you know, the, the, the work and, um, you know, things that could, um, that could move us forward, but we also lose out on, um, you know, things that are important for our identity and important for, you know, being a person and being creative and having, um, you know, things that are meaningful and mm -hmm. fulfilling, um, you know, and being able to have time for that, not just time yeah. for that, but the ability to focus on those yeah. things, I think is, is really important and needs to be something that, that uh, you know, both moms and dads are able to, uh, to share. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think having, having an equilibrium where we're, where we're both free to kind of pursue those things is really, I mean, that's, that is the goal of all of this, right? That would be the goal of companies recognizing that they need to make work more tenable for both men and for women. It would be the goal of for us as women being able to look at it and say like, okay, I'm going to let go of this guilt. I'm going to, you know, maybe reframe the idea of like, I'm going to put this boundary in place, but I'm going to put it around my personal pursuit or whatever it is that I'm, you know, this period of time kind of thing. Um, it, it just, it creates this more equilibrium more than like, ultimately you do end up shifting some of those things around because it's a necessity, right? But nobody looks at it as like, oh, now I have to take on something that I wasn't before. It just sort of becomes this natural state where everybody realizes that they benefit from it instead of feeling like, oh, we've got to maintain what we've got now because one group has it really good and the other group is sort of, you know... <laughs> struggling under the weight of all of these expectations and responsibilities. Yeah. Well, the expectations part is, is important too, because that makes the mental load harder and more taxing um, for women when we have that added social expectation that we're the ones in charge of all this stuff. Um, and so we're the ones who feel like if this stuff doesn't get done, then we'll be judged and we'll be blamed for it. Um, you know, mm. not our husbands. And so that added pressure makes it even harder and, you know, more, uh, more stressful. And when, when men actually take on more of the mental load, it, researchers have found that it is not as, uh, it does not increase their anxiety or depression um, as much as it does um, for moms, when moms have a higher share of the mental load. Um, and they think that it is partly because of the expectations, right? When you, when you take on more of the mental load, but you're not necessarily expected to, like there's not the social expectation that you'll do so, then you don't feel 
this pressure of, um, you know, responsibility and like social judgment if you get it wrong, uh, and you get rewarded for doing it and, you know, for getting things right. And so it's kind of a, a win-win. And so it, it also makes, um, you know, it makes moms happier uh, when we have less of the mental load. So that's obviously also going to, you know, um, be beneficial too in terms of uh, of the partnership and, and how we view our partners. Um, so it's not it's not that men taking on more of the mental load is even going to be as necessarily as taxing um, for them as um, as maybe it is for us. So there's definitely, I think, room for improvement without a ton of sacrifice. Um, so I think that's, there's some hope there. Um, I'm, I'm smiling because Angie, I feel like we answered our, uh, question from last week. So we, in our, in our episode from last week, one of the questions that we kind of ended on that, or we, we started with it, but we circled back at the end and we were like, I don't know if we've really, um, you know, answered this was essentially because our, our first episode of the season was kind of about the patriarchy and sort of like how that societal structure kind of conditions men in a way that doesn't benefit them for participating in modern family life. And the question that we were not sure we answered at the end was, well, would men ever give up what essentially is like an ace in the hole? Because right now, like the way, the way work is set up, the way economics is set up, the way everything is set up really kind of benefits them. And I'm smiling because I feel like, you know, you said they can take on more without like the stress and things like that and the anxiety that women get and they'll be rewarded for it, which makes, which right. we've also talked about how dads tend to get patted on the back for doing things that moms do every single day that nobody is like, oh, that makes you yeah. such a great mom. Um, you know, right. so I, I, I love that because now I feel like we've answered our question. I think, yes, men could give up the ace in the hole because really what's probably going to happen is a, they're going to get tons of recognition and everybody's going to be like, Oh my God, you're amazing. And you know, what's probably going to happen too? We're going to pay them for it. We're going to be like, you do so much great work. You know, like <laughs> we should, we should pay you for going to the grocery store and doing all of that meal prepping. Like <laughs> kudos to you, dad. Right. So I, okay, oh, that part probably won't happen, but <laughs> I would also, I would also laugh if in some like ironic twist, we were like, oh my God, dads do all of this extra work. They should be compensated for it. Like they should get tax refunds for this. <laughs> it's a tax write-off. Write <laughs> yeah, I could have been rich by now. You're like... I gave kid one of us. I gave kid two of us. Yeah, I mean, it's like there's definitely something to be said for how we value things in society, and then how people respond to those values. Like when yeah. things are not are not valued, then people don't want to do them as much. But if we can maybe shift 
how we value things and also shift who does them, then maybe that can also then further shift how we value them. Love it. Well, thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate your taking the time and being here and great to see you. I'll see you. Angie, I'll see you soon, I guess. Yep. All right. We'll see you later.